We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Friday. That means it is the Friday free-for-all mailbag. You guys are stuck with just me today. So we have, uh, obviously, a lot of guys working. We've got guys with problems with their babies, so they got to take care of their babies. So it is just me today, but I am ready to rock and roll. Got Ryan on the back end producing the show today, so I'm ready to rock and roll, man. It is, it is Ohio State week. Y'all, it is Ohio State week, and it is time to rock and roll. Man, I'm fired up. I don't know if y'all are fired up about this or not. I am. Uh, I'm fired up about the tailgate tomorrow. <clears throat> we should be getting started around 1 o'clock uh, tomorrow uh, at in the stadium lot. I'm not sure exactly where. It's one of those sort of – we know it's going to be in the stadium lot, but it's a first-come, first-serve type thing. So what I'll do tomorrow is I will go through and – or I will go out once we get settled. I will tweet where we're going to be. And we'll also then go in and uh, put it on the message board and let all of you all know where uh, where we'll be tomorrow. So it'll be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. Um, you know, going to gonna be a, a, a I don't say stressful day because it's not stressful because, I mean, it's not like I'm not coaching in it or playing with it or anything like that in it, in it or anything like that. But, I, you know, just as, as a fan, as an analyst, it's just kind of a man, I just really want to see what this team is about. You know, are they as good as I think they can be or is they as good as they should be? You know, can they really win this kind of game? You know, I was I was texting with a guy or a DM and the guy DMs me on Twitter. And he's like, man, I'm so nervous about this game. And I was like, man, I kind of feel you because, you know, when I break the game down and I study the film and I do all that, it's like, man, Notre Dame, Notre Dame should win this game, right? I mean, I, I think they're the better team. But then as I told him, man, my BK PTSD starts creeping in and you're like, man, this isn't a game that Notre Dame has won in a long time. You know, this kind of big game, especially against a team like Ohio State, if you're my age or, I mean, gosh, unless you're, what, in your 90s or 100s, you've never seen Notre Dame beat Ohio State in the game. <laughs> so there's that too, you know, so we'll, we'll, we'll kind of get to that. But man, I'm, I'm really, I'm really fired up about, about what we got going on and, and, um, uh, what this team is going to be. But look, here's the deal. Tomorrow by, you know, no later than midnight, I would imagine 11, 1130 at the latest, actually, 
we're going to know who this Notre Dame team is. We really are. And it doesn't, it's not going to define them necessarily the rest of the year, but it's going to tell us who they are now and whether they need to build on what we saw because it was a good performance and they got a W or if it's okay, they've come here, but they're not there yet. This is what's needed uh, moving forward. And that's what we're going to find out for tomorrow. So that's what I'm excited about. We got some questions in here. Now go ahead and throw your mailbag questions in. We'll talk Notre Dame versus Ohio State. We'll talk Notre Dame if you just got general Notre Dame questions, if you've got recruiting questions, if you've got college football questions, whatever the case may be, we're ready to rock and roll. So let's go ahead and get started. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The game Notre Dame fans have been waiting for all season is here as the Fighting Irish get ready to play the Ohio State Buckeyes. And if you're still looking for tickets to this titanic battle, game time is the place for you. They take the stress out of buying tickets. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That's gametime.co. First question is going to be from Tyler Erick. He said, In last year's game, I felt like there was a lot of delayed interior blitzes from the linebackers that got home for Ohio State. How do you try and combat this? And how worried are you about the interior offensive line this year? You know, Tyler, we we talked about this early in the week that and we talked about it in the offseason. Like this is this was a major problem for Notre Dame last year. 
Ohio State's delayed pressures, and and some of it wasn't delayed pressure. It was it was it looked like it. But what Ohio State also does is they they'll bring some like long twists from their linebackers, you know. So they'll like crash aside really hard with their line, and then bring their linebackers on longer loops. So it's not so much a delayed blitz as as much as it is. It's just the timing of it's a little longer. Uh, trying to get through with that front wave and then bring that other guy around. So they do that as well. So those two things kind of both were successful last year. And it can look like a delayed blitz. But really what it comes down to, Tyler, is there's several things you've got to do. You you need great communication by your interior offensive line. You need your quarterback to be aware of who they can and cannot block. Because in some of these pressures, a guy's going to come free. If you've got six blockers and they bring seven, Somebody's coming free. If you've got five blockers because you're doing a free release where your back is out and your tight end is out and they bring six, you've got you can't pick somebody up. If you have the right numbers, six on six, but they're overloading to a side, you understand the protection is, hey, we've got six on six, but we can only block three to this side. They may be bring four to that side. I got to know who I'm throwing hot off of or who I need to avoid or whatever the case may be. So It also requires your quarterback to be on top of his game as well. It requires a pass game that can come out and have some stuff built in to where if those pressures come, you make them pay for it. I mean, those are different aspects of it as well. So there's a lot of different things that Notre Dame should do. One aspect that I, that I, I think this year's pass game gives them a little bit more, it's not better or worse. It's just different matching up against Ohio State. It there's a there's a lot more high lows built into the offense where Notre Dame last year seemed to be a lot more of a of a horizontal stretch type of team, and those are good concepts. They work. Uh, some of the layered stuff, some of the high low stuff was more perimeter oriented, and and this year there seems to be a lot more over the middle stuff. Whether it's you know play side high lows on top of each other. You know, high lows coming from opposite directions. You know, a lot of different things that Notre Dame is doing that protect the middle of the field, or not protect the middle of the field, but but attack the middle of the field. And those things can be very effective against these type of pressures if your quarterback's making good reads, if guys have an understanding of, hey, you know, you got to hustle over here, you got to get to this open spot, or you got to settle down in this open spot. Those are all things that are going to require you to play at a high level, and that's the key to beating Ohio State. And, and what Michigan has mastered the last two years, a lot of people ask, you know, what? you know, what can Notre Dame do to to be like Michigan and do what Michigan can do? And and I don't really prescribe to that. I don't think it's so much about, you know, be like Michigan, but it's more about, you know, do what you do. And what you do is Notre Dame is a physical football team. They're a team that wants to go out there and beat you up in the trenches. They're a team that wants to go out there and and get the run game going and attack vertically and all that. And, and you've got to be able to, to do what you do successfully. You've got to, you've got to play at a high level. You've got to be efficient. You've got to be able to generate big plays and you've got to protect the football. And that's something that Michigan did a great job of against Ohio state the last two years. I mean, if you look at Michigan's yards per play against Ohio state, the last two years, they were eight yards of play in 2021 and they were 8.8 yards of play last year. That's a combination of two things. They were able to able to generate big plays. And the other part of it is, is they were super efficient on the other plays. They were great on first down. Uh, they were able to establish a run game. Even when they weren't gashing Michigan early last year, they were still able to move the chains and keep Ohio State's offense on the field. And they were able to put some drives together, which then set up uh, the big play opportunities that came that came later in the game that really broke that game open. 
and they were able to get big plays in 2021 as well. Not like they did last year, but they were able to do that. And so, I mean, if you look at the last two years and, and, and look at Michigan beating Ohio State, I mean, it was a 14 to 13 game at halftime in 2021, which Michigan led. And then they poured it on in the third quarter. It was a 20 to 17, I believe 20 to 17 game last year that Ohio State led. And then Michigan came out and poured it on in the second half. And so one thing that Michigan was able to do is they were able to establish a, a, an efficient attack that allowed their offense to stay on the field. It allowed them to get points. It allowed them to, you know, like I said, stay in the game, make some early stops on defense and allow your offense to keep it a game. And then you get in there at halftime. You've, you've, you've gotten used to the speed of the game. You've gotten used to Ohio State's tempo. You've done all those kind of things. And then the second half, you out there and you make those adjustments and you, and you put it on them. And, and that's what, you know, that's what we've seen from, from, in it, from Ohio State in some of these big games. I mean, if you look at – I'm going to pull it up right now and just give you some numbers to back up what I'm saying here. So just give me one second to pull that up. 2021 box score, and then I'm going to pull up the Georgia box score from last year and just give you guys some examples of what I'm talking about here to prove my point. So last year, or 2021 – Michigan outscored Ohio State 28 to 14 in the second half. It was a, a, seven, a 14 to 13 game at halftime. And then you look at 2022 Ohio State Michigan. It was a it was a 20 to 17 Ohio State lead in the first half. Michigan outscored them 28 to 3 in the second half. Last year Ohio State had a 28 to 24 lead over um over Georgia at halftime. It was a 38 to 24 lead going to the fourth quarter. Georgia outscored them 18 to three in the fourth quarter. So what's happened is, is you got to keep it close early. Don't let Ohio state overwhelm you. Don't let them jump on you. Don't let them get out to this big lead that takes you out of your game. What Michigan was able to do the last two years is stay on schedule, stay in phase. Don't let them get those big early scores. Don't let them jump out at you, get some early stops, establish your ground attack. And then when those big play opportunities come, you take them. And then when you do those things, it limits their ability to, to pressure you and attack you. Because when Ohio State gets up big, if you can't run the football, that's what killed Notre Dame last year. If they know you can't run the football, then they're going to really heat you up. They're, you know that That's what hurt Notre Dame. They realized very early, they can't run on us. They have to throw on us. And so they were able to pin their ears back and come at Notre Dame a lot more than they would have if Notre Dame was able to come out and establish the ground attack. So those are just all phases of it that come into some directly, some indirectly that are going to go, go a long way towards attacking that, that, that part of the game and, and being able to slow down that Ohio state offense, which is going to be key to being able to go after defense. I mean, it, it may sound strange that you're talking about their offense. Yeah. Because the more the game is balanced, the more that you can stay on schedule, the, the more you can go at their pressures. If they're jumping on you big and, you know, look, you can't shorten the game if you're down 17. You've got to kind of go. And if you're able to keep it on schedule, hey, we're all, you know, we're either leading or we're only down a possession. We can stay within what we want to do. And we don't have to change who we want to be. And that's that's a big key to allowing your offense to go out there and be successful and move the football and score. Pete Weber says, anyone else feel like ESPN laid a dud picking Vince Vaughn as the guest? I mean, it's the biggest home game in 30 years, flying the freaking Pope pass. Uh, who would you pick if you had that decision? I don't care. I, I've got no problem with Vince Vaughn. I mean, Pete, I don't know how old you are, but I, this is probably a generational thing. People are talking about, you know, bringing Shane Gillis on. I have no clue who Shane Gillis is. Now, would I be upset if they picked Shane Gillis? No, I don't. I, I really don't care. 
I just wanted to be a Notre Dame fan or a former Notre Dame player. And I was actually kind of glad they went with Vince Vaughn. I was th- worried they were going to kind of, you know, bring in a player or something like that, which that's great. I mean, but, you know, kind of we know who the players are to bring in like a celebrity and, you know, supposed to be a celebrity guest picker and all that. Well, you know, Vince Vaughn's a pretty avid Notre Dame fan. I mean, he was in Rudy, which I, I know some people don't like. I don't care. He was in Rudy. It's pretty cool. Uh, he went to a Notre Dame game in one of his other movies, right? He's talked about being a Notre Dame fan in, in movies. He's in, He's been at Notre Dame games. So guy's a Notre Dame fan. I mean, if you were famous and you were a Notre Dame fan, wouldn't you think it was pretty cool to to, to be a get celebrity guest picker on, at ESPN? I would. And I don't even like ESPN, but if they wanted me to be on that, heck yeah, I would do that, right? I'm not a celebrity, but you get the point. So I I, I don't think it's a dud at all. I think Vince Vaughn is pretty funny. Uh, you know, I, some of his movies I really like, but he's been very open about being a Notre Dame fan. So I would have no problem. I have no problem with Vince Vaughn being, Vince Vaughn being the celebrity picker. I, I think it's kind of cool, but again, he's more of my generation than he is. You know, I would imagine some of you younger folks who who aren't big fans of this decision for for whatever reason. But uh, no, I kind of like it. I kind of like it. John A. One says, "How important will it be for the second unit on the defensive line to be impactful in this matchup?" Will this be a max snap game for the starters or maybe a better way to ask, will the depth matter? John, I think the depth matters a ton in this game. I, I do. It, it can't be a max volume type of deal for your defensive line. I mean, that, like at corner, am I taking Benjamin Morrison off the field? Probably not. Am I taking Cam Hart off the field? Mm, rather not. Am I taking Xavier Watts off the field? I'd rather not. I'm not, I don't care about rotating linebackers. I don't care about getting my second string linebackers in the game. I want JD Burchett on the field every snap. I don't care about playing nine receivers in this game. None of that matters to me. But when it comes to the trenches on defense, when it comes to running back positions where you can wear down more over the course of the game, that matters more to me. That's point one. And, 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 Part of the reason for that is, is I want my my big boys fresh at the end of the game. So if you go into the fourth quarter, Ohio State's run, let's say, 50 snaps, right? Last two drives of the game, and their offensive line has played 50 physical game snaps. I mean, you're, you know, you're getting after it. Your starters are giving them a hard time. Your, your backups are giving them a hard time. You go into that last series, you're up three. You've got to get a stop. Last couple series, you've got to get some stops to win this game. And their left tackle and right tackle have 50 snaps under their belt. And Jordan Patelho's got 25, 30. He didn't play the previous series. Guess what? Jordan Patelho's going to be really fresh on that series compared to where he would be if he had 45 or 40 or 50 snaps under his belt. Same with Howard Cross. Same with Riley Mills. Same with Javante Jean-Baptiste. And so to me, it's about it's about fresh legs. Now, to your point, John, you can't take Batelho and Mills and Cross off the field if for 15, 20 snaps, 25 snaps, if there's a big drop off between your first and second team D-line. So to your point, that's why the second team is incredibly important for both teams, for both teams. I mean, what I'm curious about with Notre Dame is how do they mix and match it? That's something I'm very curious about. At times, the last couple years, this was true, actually really last three years, including this year. This happened in 2021 at times, and Marcus Freeman was the D coordinator. It happened a lot more last year when Al Golden was the defensive coordinator, and we've seen it at times this year where they'll like make a mass substitution 
either three of the four defensive linemen on the field is a starter or is, is, a, is a non-starter, boy, that 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 can work if you love your second team, right? Like if you've got a young guy that's really disruptive, he's just not ready for a full-time workload, but you know that, that can work a little bit. But if there's like a big drop-off across the board, when you've got that group in, you're going to be in trouble. And if you go back and look at last year, there's a lot of games where you could put scoring drives together and be like, they started that series off with the, the entire backup defensive line. That's unfair to those guys. So is it going to be where like, you know, Howard Cross is on the field a lot with Gabriel Rubio or Jason Onye, whoever the number two, three is, is Riley Mills going to be on the field a lot with, you know, Jason Onye or Gabriel Rubio, whoever the number, you know, because like Rubio and Onye can play both spots. They've both been listed as backup nose guards at different times. You know, is 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 that going to be the mix and match that we see after the first series or two? I, I, I'd be curious to see that. Is is Batelho going to be on the field with, you know, with Javante Jean-Baptiste a lot? And then maybe they put Nana in with the other guys. Is it the other way around? A, a lot of that stuff matters. How do you mix and match that that defensive line rotation to keep guys fresh, but then also make sure you're not going out there without your a, a, a defensive line capable of of holding up at the point of attack in the run game. That's not going to be that's going to not be disciplined uh, when they're attacking. That's going to turn run lanes loose because what you can't have is your defensive line is great, 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 great. You put the backups in and then boom, forty yard gain because some young guy missed a gap. Can't have that. They've got to be able to play at a high level. So how impactful they are is is important. But to me, it's I just need them to do their job not make the, make, make the big mistakes. And then anything you get from the backups from a from an impact standpoint, a sack, a tackle for loss, that's gravy. That's really gravy. I mean, obviously, that's, that's kind of how you can win some of these football games. But the key number one is how do you, how do you kind of mix up that group? Who do you play together? And then can they play disciplined football when they're on the field? That's going to be an important part of this game, John. Very important part of this game. Next question is from John A1 also. Which part of the defense do you expect Ohio State will try to attack and expose the most? Uh, twofold. Number one is I fully expect Ohio State. There's two parts of the defense and then one part of the field I expect them to attack. And and, and, the, and that goes with along the lines a little bit with one of the, the position groups I think they're going to go after. Number one, they're going to attack the edges, partly because Notre Dame's defensive ends have not been super, super impactful this year. They've been good. They just haven't been dynamic. You know, there's not a Foskey from 2021 on the D-line so far this year. Jordan Patejo has actually been a better run blocker this year than he's been a run defender than he's been a pass rusher so far this year. But that's also who Ohio State is. I mean, that's that's kind of what they do. They're a stretch run game team. They're a misdirection, slam down, get outside type of team. They're going to run jets. They're going to run reverses. You know, they're going to run outside zone, stretch play, stuff like that in attempt to either seal the edge and get to the speed, get their speed outside or B, stretch it, stretch it, stretch it. And then a run lane opens up because somebody doesn't secure a gap, boom, and you get vertical. So they're going to try to attack the edge in that regard because that's just who they are. The second thing I fully expect them to go after the Notre Dame safety some way, somehow, I, I will not be surprised at all if we see Marvin Harrison Jr. or Emekic Buka spending a lot of time in the slot early in this game in hopes of getting them matched up against Thomas Harper. It's been pretty good, but he's not as good as Cam Hart and Benjamin Morrison. And then also what that does in the slot is a lot of your vertical stuff, you're going after safeties. 
And, and so I can easily, I, I actually, I expect that. I expect to see that. I also think what that's going to do is because Notre Dame is going to run a lot of what I anticipate running a lot of those inside pressures we've seen so much in recent games, that also gets Harrison and Igbuka a lot closer to the middle of the field on quick stuff, you know, slants, crossers, unders, you know, you can, you can use Harrison if you're going to put him in the slot, for example, uh, or actually it really it's, it's either it's Harrison or a, a Mecca Buka because they're both, both excellent, but, you know, put them in the slot, run them vertical, maybe a Notre Dame rea- overreacts to it. And then you bring, you know, Xavier Johnson or the other one of those studs or Julian Fleming or something like that underneath, maybe you run them vertical and you put it back on an angle route and, you catch Notre Dame, Notre Dame makes a mistake, and you hit that angle route right behind the D-line and the linebackers that have blitzed, your safeties don't get down, and boom, you know, you're hitting Travion Henderson or Chip Tranum and Mayan Williams for a big gain, or you're doing a delay, you know, delay angle, delay release while you're tight end, doing the same exact thing. So that middle of field is going to be a big part of where I think Ohio State's going to attack. They like to attack vertically, like for width with their run game, edges, edges, edges. And then they like to get you over the middle with their pass game. Now they'll attack the outside of their pass game. I'm not saying they don't, but they just, that's how they like to do it is perimeter stretch run game with the occasional inside stuff, but then attack the middle of the field with their pass game with the occasional outside stuff. That's who Ohio state is. And you have to be prepared for it. And that kind of matches up well with what you could perceive to be Notre Dame's weakness this season, which is safety play at times. The safety play has been pretty good at times. It's been sloppy. Uh, at times, it's been vulnerable to the pass game, and so they're going to have to be on top of their game. You're going to need a big game from the safeties. That's why when I had my midweek rundown on Wednesday, John, I talked about how you know the guys have got to really step up. I talked about Riley Mills and Jordan Batelho and Maris Leafau, but that's why Xavier Watts was one of my guys that has to play well. Like If Xavier can be an impact player on that third level, and then the other guys can just kind of do their job, I think this defense could could make enough stops to allow Notre Dame to win this football game. I, I do. It's going to be very, very key. David Carpenter asks, who catches the first pass tomorrow and who catches the first touchdown? And I, <laughs> I have no idea. Let's have some fun. So no one bet on this. No one take this to the grave. No one say that this is a stone-cold lock prediction, but I'm going to say I'm going to go here. The guy that catches the first pass of the game tomorrow will be, I'm going to go Holden Stace. I'm going to go a tight end pass. That's where I'm going to go. Uh, or a check down to the running back. One of those two. Let me think. Which one do I want to go with? I'm not going to cheat. I'm going to pick one. I'm going to go first guy to catch a pass is Holden Stace. I'm going to go with that. Who catches the first touchdown? My hope it's Chris, it's Chris Tyree. I mean, I don't care, but I'm going to say my hope is that it's because touchdown's a touchdown, but here's why I hope that it's Chris Tyree or Tobias Merriweather. Because those guys aren't – Chris Tyree is probably not scoring on like a two-yard catch, right? You know, maybe you can run like a motion slide and it'll sprint out and catch the ball and get the edge. Sure, that may happen. But if Tobias scores or Tyree scores, most likely it's a bigger play. It's a 30, 25 to 30-plus 30 yard play. And if Notre Dame's able to get a big score in the air on a big play, that really changes how Ohio State's going to defend them. Now, I'm not sold that Ohio State's going to come out and just play their this-is-who-we-are defense that they did really the first three games. We saw them do some of their linebacker pressures on third down and second and long when they really felt they were whooping uh, Western Kentucky up front. They started bringing more pressures, uh, some of those linebacker pressures. But this year, they've been very much a, we trust our guys. We're going to line up and play. We're going to fly to the football. You're not better than us, so we don't need to – 
you know, potentially blitz into problems, right? Which kudos to Jim Knowles for doing that. I think I think that's smart against teams that you're significantly better than, and they have been significantly better than their opponents so far. I don't know that they're significantly better than Notre Dame. I don't think that that's my opinion, but I don't think they think that they're significantly better than Notre Dame. I certainly think Ohio State thinks they're the better football team. I, I would be disappointed if they didn't think that they're the better football team. But it's one thing to think you're the better football team, and it's quite another thing to go into a game and say, hey, uh, we don't respect this opponent, so we're just going to line up and do what we do. I, I think that's something that hurt Clemson last year. I think Clemson thought they were going to come into the game against Notre Dame last year, and they're playing this Notre Dame team that is was not very far removed from losing to Stanford. This is a Notre Dame team that had lost to to to, to uh, Clemson or Marshall, right? Clemson played them like three weeks after they lost to Navy or Stanford. Yeah, they beat Syracuse, but you know Syracuse lost their starting quarterback. Notre Dame had a convincing win over UNLV, but it was sloppy. You know the Notre Dame run game was was good, but it wasn't. You know it wasn't like oh my gosh, it wasn't vintage 2017. Notre Dame hadn't rushed for over five yards of carry, really over four eight point eight yards of carry since the BYU game. You know, they'd only had two games that up to that point in time in the season where they were over five yards of carry, and that was against BYU in a, in a bad North Carolina defense. I don't think that Clemson really had a lot of respect for Notre Dame. And, and when I say respect, I don't mean that they were disrespectful. They came in talking trash. That's not Clemson's thing. Coach, Coach Swinney has always been very respectful towards Notre Dame. What I mean respect is like, we don't fear you. We don't, and, and I mean like a healthy fear, like fear of the Lord kind of thing where, you know, we're going to come out and we're going to, we're going to really make sure that we're doing this and we're doing that. And, and we got to, man, boy, guys, we got to bring our A game. We got to make sure we're scheming because they can give us problems here. They looked at the matchup and said, we have the best, one of the best D lines in college football. We have one of the best linebacking cores against college football, and they can't throw the football. So we're just going to line up, do we do, and kick their butt. Lo and behold, that lack of respect for who Notre Dame could be cost them because Notre Dame whooped them, right? Absolutely whooped them. And, and so – that played a big role in it. I do not see Jim Knowles making that same mistake. I think Jim Knowles is going to say, hey, I trust my guys. We are going to line up and play our defense, but I'm going to have to have some stuff for Notre Dame. We're going to have to be on top of our game. We're going to have to you know, attack this part of their weakness. We're going to have to go after this. We're going to have to kind of create some mistakes on this defense because I don't, I don't think he's going to sit there and say, we're just going to line up and play our base defense for 60 minutes and Notre Dame can't do a darn thing about it. Jim Knowles is way too good of a football coach for that. So I do think we'll see more of the pressures coming up. And you know, I think they're going to try to take away the quick game from Notre Dame with their corners, you know, either playing off, but then because uh, like there's two ways to do that. One is to play press, in which I think they'll do in the boundary, not as much of the field. The other way is when you are playing off to not bail at the snap. A lot of teams in Notre Dame have played this year bailed at the snap, which is partly why we haven't seen a lot of deep balls. Central Michigan was the first team that really did not bail at the snap. And you saw what Notre Dame did. They just threw it over their head early and often. I think Sam Hartman went like four or five for 230-some yards in that game, had a 76-yard touchdown pass, a 75-yard touchdown pass, a 42-yard pass on one of those plays, a 39-yard pass on a post route. So he hit, he hit two goes, a seam, and a post against Central Michigan because they didn't respect the deep ball. Ohio State will, will show more reverence for that, but – they've got better corners than Central Michigan. So I think they can say, hey, look, they, they're not going to do that to us. But the other thing is, is, is we're going to take away the quick game. We're going to make them throw the ball down the field because we don't think 
that they can protect the quarterback long enough with Mike Hall and Ty Hamilton and Tyleek Williams. And I think we'll see some of Hero Canoe and the, or uh, Ty, uh, I say Ty, Ham, um, Ty Hamilton, Hero Canoe, all those type of guys. Uh, you know, I, I don't th- know that we can necessarily um, just line up and, and handle that. But I think we can get these matchups where we can kind of, you know, in certain passing downs or in rundowns, those guys can get, can have some success winning individual battles. So if we take away the quick game and force them to go throw the ball downfield, they're not going to get enough of those off. And why would they think that? Partly because of last year and and partly because I still don't think that there's a, you know, there's still a, I'm going to make the receivers beat me mentality when you look at, at this Notre Dame football team and, and how teams are going to defend them. So long, short story long, David, to answer your question, if, Tyree or Tobias gets that first touchdown and it's a big play, man, that puts Ohio state in a whole different situation where, okay, can we continue to do this and expose ourselves to more big plays or do we have to alter what we're doing in order to defend that? And then that opens up other things. And how does Notre Dame counter? That's one of the the chess matches of football that I absolutely love. I loved it as a coach and I love it now as an analyst is seeing that kind of stuff. And so I'm very much curious to see how that's going to play out. And that's what I'm hoping when we get to tomorrow that Tobias or Chris Tyree or, or, or the play, one of one of those two players catches the first touchdown of the game. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Joe Allen asks, do you think that Notre Dame will get a bunch of commitment announcements soon after the game if they win? I hope not. And you're probably not going to like this answer, but I hope not. Because if a guy – now, could they get some commitments this weekend? Yes, they definitely could. But if it is, it's going to be from guys that they've been in a great position with for a long time. I'm not going to say names, but just because I don't want people to think that, oh, well, that guy's on commit watch. I'm, I'm just saying, like, there's, a, there's probably – three or four kids that we kind of have our eye on that if things go well, based on the long-term relationship, this could be a weekend where the kid makes a decision. We can see that. But in a lot of other instances, if a kid makes a decision this weekend, you, you got a question like, okay, is that a, is that a decision that's going to stick? Is that a thoughtful, thorough, okay, I've really thought about my future and this is where I want to go situation. Or is it a situation where, the kid got caught in the moment, got caught in the excitement, got caught in the buzz. He commits, but then in a month from now, he's going to be like, man, I, I wasn't ready to commit yet. I, I still wanted to take this visit that I had planned to so-and-so. I still wanted to go visit here. And now all of a sudden, the kid starts second-guessing. So I, I, don't, I don't usually like emotional big win commitments because I've seen too many times in the past when they end up 
not being not not sticking in the end or the kid doesn't decommit but he gets here and he's got doubts about whether or not this is the place and then he doesn't stay as long so in, in either case i i would rather there not be a rash of commitments from guys that we don't anticipate maybe being in commit mode already if it's uh if it's a kid you're like man like i don't i don't you know, I, I, that kid, that, that was a surprise. Wasn't expecting that one. Those, those ones would make me nervous to be completely honest with you. I, I like, I like kids to commit on the, on a, on a better time frame, meaning their terms, not getting caught up in the moment of a visit. Those, those can, those can have a higher tendency not to work out. Question from Irish blooded. I saw on ESPN, uh, they ranked the Ohio state run game better than Notre Dame. How do you feel about the depth and run game of the two heads up? I mean, I did a whole breakdown on this on Wednesday, so I won't spend too much time on it right now uh, because I did break it down already. But I understand why ESPN has that grade the way that they do. The perception is they know highly ranked guys, right? That they they perceive the guys to to be ranked higher. And there's and I've seen some I've seen some people say like you know, uh, well you know they they um, have that because. Uh, all the Ohio State guys are ranked higher than all the Notre Dame guys. And I'm like, well, that's not really true. If you actually look at the that the running backs that are, that are actually in the rotation for Ohio State, they're not guys that are necessarily big time recruits. Chip Trainum was was ranked as the number 285 player in the country on the on three um, on the on three consensus ranking, and only one outlet had him in the top 250, 300, and that was ESPN at him 285. Now, Mayan Williams is a three-star recruit, and and when you look at Notre Dame and you look at Notre Dame's backup, uh, you know their depth chart at, at running back, and you look at their the guys that are playing. Jadarian Price is a guy that was a top two hundred player, and and he was I'm looking his ranking up right now. Jeremiah Love was a top hundred guy. Jadarian Price was ranked as a number two hundred twelve player in the country on the on three consensus ranking. He was ranked number one sixty six overall by two four seven Sports. He was in the Rivals 250. He was in the ESPN 300. So he was ranked higher than anybody else that they had. And then you look at Jeremiah Love. He was a top 100 player on On3 and 247 Sports Composite. He was number 77 on On3. He was number 79 on 247. Uh, He was ranked as a top 100 recruit by On3, 247, and ESPN. His lowest ranking was number 129. And then Audrey Estime was a four-star back as well. It really comes down to perception of the programs. Ohio State has produced how many NFL running backs in recent years? Good players and not very good players, but a lot of running backs, right? So whether it's Ezekiel Elliott, you've got um, who is Carlos Hyde, you've had um, even going back to the Jim Trussell era with um, I'm, I'm drawing a Beanie Wells. Uh, you look recently and and uh, you know Trey Sermon is a guy that is in the NFL. J.K. Dobbins obviously is is a, is a guy that was a highly ranked player. Who's Notre Dame's top running back in the NFL right now? Kyron Williams, who's like, what, a fifth-round pick? Tony Jones, who's a, who's an undrafted free agent. So it just comes down to perception. I mean, that's really what it boils down to, folks. It comes down to perception. What's what's silly about it is is, is you just expect more. And I understand all of your frustration because you just expect more. You, you really do. I mean, last year, you know, this year, Ohio State's averaging let's, – let's just look at the numbers, right? Ohio State's averaging 156.7 yards per game. 5.2 yards per play. Notre Dame's averaging 204.5 yards per game, 5.9 yards per carry. 
Last year, Ohio State averaged 192.4 rushing yards per game. Notre Dame averaged 189.1 yards per game. They were very similar. Ohio State had a higher yard per carry, 5.4 to 4.6. You know, so there's this perception that 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 Ohio State is this just a significantly better running team because of history. When in when in reality, that's not what Ohio State's been the last couple of years. And then they act like Notre Dame hasn't had really good running teams in recent years. So there's a perception thing, but it all boils down to the things we've talked about in the past, which is um, Ryan's texting me saying, hey, you know, Kyron's a starting running back now. I, I get all that, but he was a fifth round draft pick, right? Uh, but the, the point is, is there's a perception problem for Notre Dame when it comes to things like this. And the sad thing is most of these talking heads at ESPN, not all, because I've seen some really good analysis from, from Greg McElroy, who will break down things. You're like, there's no way he could be talking about that subject right there if he has not done his homework on these football teams, right? But it, it, you look at it and say, most of these guys don't. I mean, do you really think like Booger McFarland's like dove into the film of Notre Dame? Do you think some of these other talking kids, I'm like thinking who this other guy was I was listening to the other day. And somebody was telling me about it. I was like, do you really think this guy's at all like broken down the film and looked at what Notre Dame's doing, watching the blocking scheme, watching the diversity of the run game, doing all these type of things? No, they're not. They're looking at – they're just going with perception. Do you think half these guys that say that, that said Ohio State has a better running game, do you think any of them, honestly, do you think any of them, if you were to ask them right there on the spot, let's say, let's say the host did his job and said, well, hold on a second. Do you know what the rushing numbers are for these two teams? Do you know what they are doing yards per game? Do you know what they're doing um, yards per carry? They, they'd, have, they'd have no answer, no answer. If you responded with, do you realize that Ohio State's best game this year, like their best game against Western Kentucky, they had the same number of yards that Notre Dame is averaging on the season? Are you aware of that? Like, no, no, we, we weren't aware of that. They wouldn't know. Because they're not doing real analysis. And that's the saddest thing about ESPN, in my opinion. There's just been so many people that have gotten hired because they played, uh, because their names, because whatever reason, and they don't give real analysis, but they're 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 being kind of expected to give real analysis. And a lot of it's just lazy, to be honest with you. And it's it's disappointing because you expect better, and there's just really no competitor still with ESPN. As much as I hate it, there's there's no real competitor. How many of you, have you guys have said a thing about what's been said about Notre Dame on CBS Sports or Fox this week? None of you have come to me with that. It's always ESPN, 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 because we still watch. Well, I don't, but people still watch. And so that's why they get away with it. But it's just lazy analysis. And I broke down the specifics of the matchup on Wednesday. I responded. I'd encourage you to go listen to that show. I did a whole breakdown, position by position breakdown. I broke down the Notre Dame run game against the Ohio State run defense, the Notre Dame run defense against Ohio State rush offense. So I broke all that stuff down on Wednesday. I would encourage you to to check to check that one down. Somebody just brought up uh, Paul Feinbaum as a joke. Like, do you think you know Paul Feinbaum breaks down Notre Dame film every week? I, he said it in jest, but that's exactly my point, right? He's going to get paid to give his opinion on this matchup, but he hasn't doesn't have a clue really about either one of these teams. He, he really doesn't, and that's kind of what it boils down to. So, you know, when when you look at it, to me, it's that's where it's where it comes from. Right now, on paper. Based on what we've seen on film, Notre Dame has a clearly better running game right now than Ohio State. They have a better running back at the top than Ohio State does right now. Uh, maybe he's not the NFL draft player that, that Trayvon Henderson is, but right now Trayvon Henderson has 191 yards in three games 
on 30 carries. He's averaging 6.4 yards per carry. Audric estimates coming off of a game in which he averaged. Now, I know his total is listed at 176 for 20. I actually think that's incorrect. I have him down at 19 carries for 174 yards in one game. That's almost Travion Henderson's entire season. He did that on 19 carries, right? So, you know, Audric's averaging 8.3 yards per carry. Do you think anybody at ESPN really has a clue? Like those guys, I, mean, I think if you were to ask Greg McAvoy about about, um, uh, about Audric Esme, he'd be able to talk to you about because he's seen him play also. Greg's called a couple games that Audric's went off in. But most of these guys don't have a clue who he is. And now, now your job as a football program, if you're Notre Dame, is to make them know who you are now. Right. It's like, I, you, now you need to know who I am. Now you better respect me. Now you better give me real analysis. Now you better put some, some respect on our name next week when you talk about us. Do that, and then we'll start getting it right. Do that, and the perception will change. But if Notre Dame doesn't go out there and win, if Aldrich Estimate doesn't go off, if the run game doesn't go off, if the line doesn't block well, if, you know, if, if they're not able to, to, to have a good scheme and that scheme's not executed, guess what? Then it, it, it validates everything that they think about you as a program, everything that they think about you. And so if you don't like it, do something about it. It's the best part of sports. If you don't like what somebody has to say, shut them up. Or you shut up because you had your chance to shut them up and they beat you again. And that's the that's the fun part of what is in front of Notre Dame this weekend against Ohio State. That's not there when they beat Clemson. Let's be honest. ESPN has never given Clemson the respect that they deserve as a program. Some do, but as a whole, they really don't. Ohio State gets a ton of respect. A lot of it they deserve. Some of it they don't. But you've got your chance to say, okay, now it's time for us to earn that. Why does Georgia get respect now? Because they beat Alabama. They beat Ohio State. They beat Michigan, right? They've done what they needed to do to, to be in the spotlight where they are the defending two-time champ. So you have to put respect on their name because they earned it. The, the respect that Clemson does get, and I don't think it's nearly as much as a team you'd think that, that should for winning two championships in the last 10 years. The only respect they do get is because they won those two titles, because they've beat Bama. They've beat Ohio State multiple times. They've beat Georgia multiple times. You have to respect them because they earn that respect. And, um, you know, that's that that's what's so great about the opportunity for tomorrow, man. That's what's great about the opportunity. So we'll we'll see how it goes. Next question from John A1. Howard Cross showed up by himself on the D-line last year. Who does Notre Dame need to join most for the D-line to have success? I, I, I mentioned this the other day too, John. I mentioned this in the midweek rundown. You know, for me, it comes down to two guys, Riley Mills and, Jer- and, and Jordan Patelho. Those are your two most talented players. They're the two guys that when they flash, it's the most impressive, disruptive you have on their D-line. In games like this, you we said it before, your stars got to be stars, right? Your guys with the most talent, with the most upside, with the most whatever, have to play to that level in games like this. Have to. Big reason why Ohio State beat Notre Dame last year. It's not the only reason why, but a big reason why. Their stud quarterback, who was not having the best game of his career because of things that Notre Dame was doing, and you know Jackson Smith and Jigba goes down. He was supposed to be their leading receiver. He was their slot guy. Whatever excuse you want to give, but here's what I know. Here's what was an excuse. In in whenever Notre Dame made a mistake, he made them pay for it. When the game was on the line in the second half, and they needed their star quarterback to put the team on his shoulders in the second half, he did. He made some throws the last game. You're like defensive. You're like, dude, sorry, man. There's nothing you can do about that. That's just a 
That's just a top five NFL draft pick throw right there. Sorry, there's nothing you can do about it. Like that, that, that was needed. If he doesn't play like that, maybe Notre Dame is within a touchdown late in the game and they can do something, right? But he said, no, not today. I got this. And that's what that's what the best players do. And Notre Dame needs their best players to do that on this type of stage. We know they can do it against Central Michigan and Navy and NC State and you know, Cle- you know, even Clemson to a degree last year and, and you know, Navy and Boston College and Syracuse and UNLV and North Carolina and BYU. Can they do it on this stage? That's the question. And they're going to. The the optimism I have is that. The Clemson game was considered a very big game as well. I don't think it was considered as big of a game as this because of the perception, even though Clemson was ranked higher than Ohio State is right now. I still don't think they're viewed as the same kind of program that Ohio State is viewed as. I don't think that's accurate. They are, they've won two championships since Ohio State won their last one. They're what, two and one against Ohio State in matchups in the postseason, right? Ohio State won the most recently, but Clemson won actually. Matter of fact, actually, Clemson's three and one in the last uh, was 11, 12 years against Ohio State in the postseason. They beat them in the Orange Bowl after 2013. They beat them in the college football playoff in 2016, 31 to nothing. They played them, uh, beat them by, a, was it a field goal? Two or three points. Uh, I forget what the, the final score was, but in 2019, a great game, by the way. Ohio State jumped on them early. Ohio State, Clemson came back. Phenomenal game. One of the best playoff games we've ever had because it's one of the few competitive playoff games we've ever had. You know, uh, but in that game, what happened though, right? Is Trevor Lawrence said, "No, nah, we're not losing today. I got this." No, I know Hassan has officiating, whatever. But the fact of the matter is, Trevor Lawrence said, "If Trevor Lawrence doesn't do what he did, it's you're in a situation where it doesn't matter how bad the officiating was. It doesn't matter. It's like the you know Miami fans complaining about the pass interference in 2002 against Ohio State. Well, here's the deal: if you guys would have handled your business and the first, whatever, 58 minutes of the game, that pass interference doesn't matter. And and so it was a similar situation where Trevor just said, I got this. You you need your stars to be stars if you're going to win games like this. There's no doubt about it. For those asking, it's not me in the chat. It's Ryan. Right? I said Ryan's in the background producing today. So Ryan's the one with uh, engaging with you guys in the, in the chat right now. David Carpenter says, predict the first Ric Flair woo moment of the game for Notre Dame. Well, David, I'm going to go back to my my previous comment, and I'm hoping that it's like one of those big plays from, from the aforementioned wide receivers. Maybe it's Audric Estime running somebody over. It'd be nice. Uh, maybe it's a, you know, a big play on defense. Somebody, you know, third and two, they're running stretch, and you just, you know, linebacker shoots through, blows them up, something like that. You hope it's one of those moments. That's really uh, what what you kind of hope for. Irish Blood says more passing touchdowns or more rushing touchdowns for Notre Dame tomorrow. Well, based on how they've gone this season, you're going to see more passing touchdowns on the season. Notre Dame has nine rushing touchdowns so far and 15 passing touchdowns. So I would imagine that um, you know we'll see something similar. I, you know, I, I don't know that Ohio State's been put in a ton of goal to go situations, but I, I, I think they're this, this unit is built to be pretty good at that. They're very physical on the end. You know, they got 265 to 270 pound kids on the edge, so they can really be stout on edge setters on, on, you know, kind of off tackle runs inside the five. They're not real big up the middle, but they can get bigger. You know, Tyreek Williams is not listed at a very big weight, but he's kind of a stout kid, you know, Michael Hall short, low to the ground. He's only 280, but man, that guy can root hog up in there and, 
and get underneath you and just stop the line of scrimmage right there because he can just basically take out the legs of the guys across. Uh, you know, can put Hero Canoe in. Their linebackers are pretty aggressive. So, you know, that's going to be a tough team to, to really just pound it in on unless you've got three or four cracks at it. So, you know, there's going to be times where if you get in those situations, you may need to throw a fade or, or do some kind of play action or, or get the ball in that way. But their name's also been a team that hasn't really needed a lot of goal-to-go situations uh, in recent years because they are in recent games because they haven't been a big play group. But I would imagine that we'll see more passing touchdowns than rushing touchdowns if Notre Dame scores enough to win. It could be a thing where, you know, last year they had more rushing touchdowns than passing touchdowns because they had one, right? And you, you hope that that's not the case again. Did have a few super chats. We got one from Tyler Evans. Thank you, Tyler. I can't wait for Saturday night. I believe that Notre Dame will get it done. Hope so, man. This feels uh, Notre Dame's going to go broke. Notre Dame, this feels Notre Dame going to break out of big game, let downs, and win big. Notre Dame 45, Ohio State 27. I'll take it. I mean, I, I, you won't have any complaints from me, man. I, I think it's interesting that you kind of you pick the same score that um, pretty much the same score that that Michigan had when they broke out of their, you know, against Ohio State. I mean, what was it? Michigan had lost, I believe it was like 14 out of 15. I'm going to look this up. And the only loss that Ohio State had, I believe, was 2011 when it was that year between – uh, when Trestle got fired and Urban Meyer got hired. So, yes, I'm looking at it now. Uh, 2011, Michigan won. Prior to the 2021 win, the last time Michigan had beaten Ohio State, other than that one sort of anomaly year, was back in 2003. And, you know, some of those games were competitive, you know, thir- but a lot weren't. 37-21, 25-21 was close, 42-39 was close, 14-3. 42 to 7, 21 to 10, 37 to 7, 26 21, 42 41 were close, but then 42 to 28, 42 to 13. The overtime game in 16, 30 to 27 was one of the best Ohio State Michigan games that I've ever seen. And I've watched a lot of them up in Ohio 31 20, 62 to 39, and then 56 to 27. And then, of course, in 2020, if they'd have played, Ohio State would have destroyed Michigan in 2020 if they would have played, if Michigan didn't kind of, you know, have their issues uh and cancel their season basically but uh but they came out in that first game and when they broke it when they broke down the door man to your point they kicked it down with aggressiveness and beat ohio state 42 to 27 and then of course they did what they did to them last year so you're kind of combining the two scores you've got ohio's you got michigan's output last year and then ohio state's output two years ago in the michigan game but it's very close to that michigan score If, if that's the final score of the game i'd be thrilled That'd be thrilled. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if it's that kind of out, if it's that kind of final score either way. Just these games, sometimes they, they're exactly what we hope they are. And it's just two great teams and a great game, but it's not always the, like that. Not everybody has brings their same effort or same execution to every big game. Sometimes one team just has a bad night. And, you know, like like when when Clemson beat Ohio State 31 to nothing in 2016. That wasn't a great Ohio State team by any stretch, but were they really 31 points worse than Clemson? Or did Clemson was that just Clemson's night? It was just Clemson's night, right? Stuff happens sometimes. Uh when Ohio State beat Clemson in 2020, 49 to 28, were they really 21 points better than Ohio State that day? I mean, like as a team, I don't think so. You could argue they were better, uh, but were they that much better? I don't think so. That was just Ohio State's night. It just was, you know, just kind of how it is. It was a 14-14 game after the first quarter, and then 
you know, just that second quarter. I mean, literally every three of the four quarters, the two teams scored the exact same points, except for one. It was a 21 to nothing uh, second quarter that really broke that thing open for Ohio State and, and allowed them to win the game. And it was a dominant. It wasn't like fluke plays. It was a dominant second quarter. Just It was just their night. Sometimes that happens. And you just hope that that doesn't happen to Notre Dame. But if it happens, if it happens, you mean against Notre Dame, but if it happens for Notre Dame, you know, that's the kind of statement when like really honestly, guys, like, why do you think Michigan gets all the hype right now from the media? Why do you think that is? It's not anything they've done in the postseason that they've got blown out by Georgia two years ago and lost to TCU last year. It's because they not only beat Ohio State, they smacked Ohio State both times. And, it, you know, so they are they they earned their respect. And that's what Notre Dame's got to do tomorrow. Cam, oh, we have a comment from Cam Old. Why do I feel uh, versus last year we are better and OSU is worse, but my confidence level is about the same? Well, I can answer the second one for sure. It's it, it's 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 not even BK PTSD. It's it's ND PTSD, man. I mean, this is just Cam. This is just not a game. Their name has won in a long time. It's just not. I mean, they've had the occasional upset win over. You know, Michigan going back, there was a 1998 year after they won a title. Notre Dame beats them was like 35 to 20. You know, you, you you had some good wins over highly ranked Michigan teams. You had a highly ranked win over a Michigan team in 05. You know, Notre Dame goes to Michigan with that with that Brady Quinn team. And, and we're all kind of wondering, you know, how good is this team going to be? You had a really nice win over Pitt in the opener that you go play number three Michigan. You beat them 17 to 10. Well, lo and behold, Michigan wasn't that very, wasn't very good that year. Seven, you know, went seven and five. So it's just, it's just not a game that they've won a lot, to be honest with you. So I can understand why there's some angst with, with a lot of you. I truly get it in regard to, you know, man, I feel, I feel good about this team. I really do. But guys, I've done that with myself this week. Man, I, I study the film. I, I study the numbers. I look at the matchups. I do all the stuff I normally do when I break these games down. And I feel good about Notre Dame's chances, but it's just like, okay, but I'm, I'm 45 and I just haven't seen Notre Dame play really well in this type of game since I was in high school and, and young high school, not even like senior year high school, like freshman year of high school. So I get it. I really do get it. And it's understandable. And until they start winning games like this, it's, it's going to be a natural reaction to when these moments come. And if they don't win this game, you're going to feel the exact same way against USC, and you're going to feel the exact same way against Clemson. It's just the reality of it. But this is the kind of game that can can start giving you that confidence that they can win these games. Zibby94 with a super chat. Thank you, Zibby. Brian, how do Central Michigan's tackles compare to the new Ohio State tackles? Did not seem like our edges were given were able to generate pressure versus CMU. Well, I, Notre Dame actually got a decent amount of pressure against Central Michigan at times when they let their D-line loose. The problem is they didn't let their D-line loose. They were using their defensive line way too often uh, to really just kind of occupy blocks and let the linebackers come free, and the blitzes just did not work in that game. So I, I, I do not believe that the lack of production was was anything really about a lack of – allowing your guys to rush the quarterback. I really, I really don't think it was that I, you know, you, you look at the numbers, you break it down. And I mean, that's just Jordan Patel had 15 pass rushes in the game. That's it. Um, Jordan, not Riley had 16. Howard Cross had 17. Javante had 17. Javante, Jean Baptiste, according to pro football focus had 55 pressures on 17 pass rushes. It's pretty good. So it really came down to that, in my opinion. They just they weren't really turned loose 
Western Michigan did some stuff, quick game, moving the pocket, things like that. Um, I just I didn't like the game plan. I really didn't. I, I felt like when you when you look at what they've done in past games, when they really turn the defensive line loose, they're able to be more impactful. They just haven't really turned them loose. And and when they have turned them loose, you, you they just they need Jordan Patelho to be more impactful. They do. That he needs to be better. He absolutely. I mean, right now, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I'm accurate on this. I believe Josh Burnham has more pressures this season than Jordan Patelho. Let me see here. Uh, only one fewer. So Batelho on. Let's see here on Jordan Batelho on seventy-two or sixty-five pass rushes has five pressures. Jordan uh, um, Josh Burnham on twenty-three pass rushes has four pressures so far this season. So they're going to need him to. They're going to need Jordan Batelho to really step up in this game. He's a he's a big big one big one. of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details